It's Daily Thunder, booming out the truth of Jesus Christ live every weekday morning from the Ellerslie campus in Windsor, Colorado. To learn more, visit ellerslie.com. This is the sixth episode in my Muscular Christian series. Today's episode is entitled The Boxing Ring. So when I've taught the topic of self-control in the past, I've used this illustration, and for me it works. I don't know if all my illustrations just translate straight across the board for everyone else. I always encourage believers to go after their own illustrations, because when you get a good metaphor, a good picture of the truth of the kingdom of heaven that really relates to your understanding, it sticks. And then you can reference that over and over again throughout your life. And this is definitely one that I have referenced many, many times. So I'm going to share it with you. And it's very, very critical to the idea of being a muscular Christian. This whole idea of self-control is essential. And so you can hear it. Whether or not it works for you, we'll find out. But uh, it definitely works for me. This is uh, part six, the boxing ring. So here's our Greek word, egratea. It translates as self-control, but it also could translate as temperance, depending on your translation. And which is interesting because it has sort of this double uh, potential meaning because of that, because temperance is oftentimes talking about like temperature. And so you, you have San Diego, California, which is a very temperate climate. And as a result, it's not too hot, nor is it too cold. And that idea of the soul being maintained at a balance point, that God has an alarm system that he places inside of us via his Holy Spirit, that if we get too warm towards this world or too cold towards God, there is an alarm system that begins to buzz and there's a conviction of soul, like something's off. The Spirit of God is notifying us of something. And that is a definite part of how self-control works. Uh, or I'm sorry, how egretea works, but self-control is, and it's arguably not a great uh, translation for many of us either because it can mislead us. When you hear the term self-control, you oftentimes think, okay, that's me controlling myself. When in actuality, technically, as we will dive a little deeper, it's God controlling you, but there's a part truth. There is an element of responsibility that you carry in this life and you must exert it. And that's all part of this Egritea uh, idea. So I'm going to call it the Egritean growl. I, I use that term uh, to describe something that makes sense to me. There is something that's happened inside of Eric Ludi that I call a growl. And I can even pinpoint the date way back in the past when my wife uh, prayed for me and she prayed, Lord, make my man to pray like a man. And I remember being a little offended by that wondering what she thought I prayed like, but I decided to amen the prayer and to agree with it. And something started that night. In fact, I would say probably 30 seconds after her prayer that has never left. And it was a strength, a passion of soul that when I would speak, my voice would actually get loud. I, I had something that you know typically people would call it preaching, but there it's it's not just in my speaking; it's also in my living. It's in my determination. It's like no, that will not enter my soul. There's a doggedness, a resoluteness. And that's what's needed in this muscular dimension of the Christian life is this, what I'm calling an egretean growl, that if you were getting too warm towards the world or getting too cold to God, that's it. 
You stop right there and you change whatever needs to be changed in your life to fix that. And the issue of self-control is feisty. It does not just sit by passively. It is very actively engaged in the preservation of life and the cultivation of life within the human soul. Uh, at Gettysburg, this is just, whether or not this is an actual quote, I don't know, but I've, I've referenced it many times. That's Buford, hold the high ground. And at, at the day of Gettysburg, you have this very critical, pivotal uh, moment where you have uh, the high ground is the key dimension that is going to ultimately preserve the day for the Union. And for us, it's similar. There is a high ground in our soul that needs to be maintained. Whenever the devil gets to the high ground of our soul and knocks down uh, God's position or, or God's agenda in our life, then we begin to fall to pieces quickly. And self-control seems to have something to do with that idea of keeping the high ground at all times. So it's like uh, King of the Hill, if you've ever played that as a kid, you know, where you have a little hill and then you shove everyone down. You're trying to maintain that. In a sense, that's spiritually what we're doing. The enemy wants to gain authority. He wants to gain position on us. And yet what God has gifted us with, what God has armed us with is the authority to push down the enemy so that we can maintain that high ground. When the Egritean growl goes missing, what happens? When we lose that feistiness of soul, what, what's happening? So listen to Proverbs 25, 28. He who has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. So if someone doesn't have rulership, if they don't have the high ground, if they don't have the Egritean growl, then they are like a city that is broken down without walls. And if you're a city that doesn't have walls, well, that means the enemy can just waltz right in and do whatever he wants. That's a pretty good description of what happens to the Christian life that's lacking self-control. The enemy can push, he can tempt, he can tease, he can do whatever he needs to do to your soul and you'll fall for it. And so what self-control is going to do is it's going to elevate your game to not to be above those uh, simpleton tactics of the enemy to bait you and tempt you into behavior that uh, destroys your life. And so what we want is to maintain that high ground, that authoritative position in our souls. How do we rule inside our own lives? So what you see me sort of hinting at as we sort of begin to unpack this idea of egritea, which again translates as either temperance or self-control, depending on which translation you use, but it's the idea of mastery, that something is going to control us. It's either going to be sin or it's going to be God. And if God is controlling us, it's not that we're removed from the situation. It's like, okay, God's controlling my life. I have nothing to do with it. Actually, what he does is he removes that which is controlling me, which is sin. And then he moves in with lordship or authority control over my life. He's the king. But then he assigns me a stewardship. It's like the talents of gold or the minas of silver. And that's my body, my mind, my behavior, my attitude. And he says, I want you to steward these now according to my grace, the gift of the spirit that I've given you. I've given you what you need. Now you need to invest it and care for that which is under your superintendence, that which is under your jurisdiction. And that's how self-control works. But so how do we do this? How do we rule inside our own lives? The first question I think that we need to at least address is, is it even possible? Because many of us have maybe never even tasted of what the Bible would call uh, a, a healthy governed life or a self-controlled life. 
And as a result, we have a tendency to be a little dubious when Eric Ludi brings up the notion of, you know, a life that is ruled properly, that isn't ruled by the enemy. I mean, how could that happen? A life that isn't ruled by sin? What could that look like? Is that even possible? Yes, it's possible. That's the essence of true Christianity. It's the essence of victory that Christ has bequeathed to us at the cross. And I think it's critical that we all grab a hold of it. James 3.8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. It's interesting because we have a statement in Scripture very clearly uh, made too, but no man can tame the tongue. So this tongue seems to be untamable. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now, of course, it's talking about the natural man tongue, and it's fascinating what God does at Pentecost when his Holy Spirit moves in. The first thing he grabs are the tongues of his apostles. Isn't that interesting? As a statement of control, the first signal of conquered territory in the human body seems to be the tongue. And the tongue outside of the Spirit of God seems to be an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. It's set on fire by the fires of hell. It seems to have no capacity in this natural man uh, faculty to be able to tame it. But God can tame it. No man can tame it, but I can tell you someone who can tame it. And his name is Jesus Christ. So as a result, this becomes very, very critical for you to recognize in your life that when God is overtaking your life, the first thing he wants to claim is your tongue, which is why confession of sin, confession of faith is so important in our life because we're taking this central place, almost like changing the flag of authority over our life, putting up the standard of Christ Jesus. This body is now owned and operated by the living God. It is no longer owned and operated by sin. It is owned and operated by Jesus Christ. And this tongue is what heralds it. And so what you're going to see at Pentecost is God is going to grab tongues. And then he's going to take those men and women into the city of Jerusalem, and they are going to proclaim with these tongues that which is true. A church without self-control. Wow. That would be a scary thing to behold. Is a church vulnerable to faction, division, and contention? Self-control plays a very, very critical role in a healthy church. If it is not there, then you have uh, a situation that is very quickly going to go on meltdown mode. And if you've ever led a church like I have, you recognize the importance of training the body in being disciplined and governed by the Holy Spirit. Because if it is not, those rogue elements will be played on by the enemy. A Christian without self-control is the devil's tool of choice for invading and destroying the church. So if you're the enemy, what you're going to look at, if you wanted to invade a church community, you're going to look for the member in the community that is uncontrolled, is not controlled by the Spirit of God, but is controlled by his flesh or her flesh. And that becomes your target. And so that's why it's critical in our life that we are not played by the enemy, that we don't become the tool of the enemy to bring uh, havoc, division, and faction into the body of Christ. This is a very sacred territory known as the church, and the enemy wants to play it. He wants to undermine it, and we, as believers, want to establish it. We want to strengthen it, which is why it's critical that we cultivate self-control. A husband without self-control is often perverted angry, domineering, and violent. Not sure how many of you ladies would like to be married to a man without self-control. A wife without self-control is often lacking discretion, gossiping, slandering, manipulative, and nagging. 
I'm not sure how many men out there would actually like to be married to that. A woman without self-control is just as miserable as a man without self-control. They just, you know, sort of show different qualities uh, in that lacking of self-control. A father without self-control is often harsh, overreactive, enraged, and abusive. Doesn't sound good, does it? A mother without self-control is often unstable, meddling, overprotective, and indiscreet with her children's secrets. A man without self-control is often a, often a sexually polluted, rage-filled mess. A woman without self-control is often a loose-tongued, meddling, manipulative mess. Lord Jesus, save us from this lack of self-control. Cultivate this within us. Boy, do we need this. So let's dive a little deeper into self-control. First, what it is not. A lot of us think just by the word itself, and that's why I say the, the, the phrase self-control is somewhat misleading because when you're young, your parents will say, you need to have more self-control. And yet it has nothing to do with the spirit of God oftentimes when they're saying it. It's something that you think as a child that you can cultivate. And it's partly true. There is a certain degree of control that you can have over yourself. But what the fruit of the spirit is describing in Galatians is something that is so far beyond. Like what God desires to cultivate in us as far as self-control is something that, like the tongue, no man can tame it. Well, but uh, there is a tongue that can be tamed by the Holy Spirit, and that is the Christian tongue. And so therefore, the same is true for us. There is a dimension of control that we as humans can have over our body. It's just human discipline. And then there is an extra measure that is required for us to fulfill the high calling we've received because we cannot say no to certain things. Our flesh is too weak. We cannot uh, perform certain tasks for God because we would melt before the difficulty of it, which is why we need this dimension that preserves and protects the integrity of our decision-making processes. So self-control is not, in, in the biblical sense, not you controlling yourself, even though that's a part truth. Colossians 2, 21, and then verse 23. Do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. I think most of us have spent some deal of time in our life trying to regulate our behavior in our own strength. And that's what Paul is saying in Colossians, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle. Hey, if you don't do this, 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 then you'll be spiritual. Then you'll be righteous. Then you can be holy. Then you'll be, you know, appealing to God. And what usually happens is we try and regulate, we create a law system around us, and then we fail. And then the weight of condemnation is even heavier. You see, this isn't the way that God intended us to function. It is not based in our own self-inflicted control, our own discipline of the human body that we gain success. And as it says uh, in Colossians, it says, these have the appearance of wisdom. They sound good to the natural man. Yeah, that's the way I can do it. But there's actually a higher way for us to function. And that's what I want to dive into. Self-control. Now what it is. So it's important for us to recognize in Galatians what it says. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and, get this, brace yourselves, self-control. 
In other words, this is something the Spirit of God places, cultivates, fosters within us. It's not just driven by our discipline, our gritted teeth. It does not mean that humanity doesn't have a dimension that should be cultivated of discipline. It is not to throw that out. It's to recognize that if we want to function in accordance with God's higher pattern, it is by the power of the Holy Spirit that we do it, not out of raw discipline. And so this is something that we gain by believing in Christ, yielding to his Holy Spirit, and then fostering and cultivating the working of his Holy Spirit in us. So this is where the boxing ring comes in. So the boxing ring uh, metaphor, if you if you picture sort of that ring, it has the, the ropes around the outer edge. And I don't know how big a boxing ring is. They're pretty big. And then you have the audience maybe around the outside and they're cheering. And you're just a little short guy. Maybe, you know, picture yourself around two to three feet tall because we're pretty weak when it comes to our ability to box. And then picture your enemy, the flesh, the power of sin. Uh, you could give him maybe 20 feet in height and, you know, make him about uh, 1,700 pounds. And you recognize that uh, it's a mismatch of a battle because you're trying to take on something that is actually so much greater than you that you almost feel like giving up before we even start this discussion. And you're thinking, yeah, great. And you're giving this as the illustration of self-control. And, and yes, I am. You see, the way we oftentimes interpret self-control is God speaking to the little two to three foot you and saying, okay, I want you to keep this ring pure. I want you to keep all that is evil out of this ring. And we're like, okay, I can do that. And we go and we try and take on uh, this flesh, this power of sin, and we get I mean, just blasted. We get, uh, we have a bloody nose, you know, a big black eye before we even, you know, can start thinking about what, what just happened. And we don't have a capacity to kick this out. It is bigger than us, which is why it's so important for us to recognize what this word is, this egratea word. So the two key operations of self-control, one of the things that self-control does this egratea is it kicks out that which is currently in the ring. So imagine the ring being your body. There are certain hostile controlling factions in your body, different vices, different addictions, different various things like that, that have taken territory that is actually not theirs. I'm not saying that they haven't been given the territory. That's what sin is claimed in and through our disobedience. However, when we come to Christ, we are under new management. And as a result of that, we have power. We have a gift of the spirit to actually remove and to kick out everything that is not of Christ that is in this ring. And so I don't care if it's 17 feet tall, and, and I don't know if that's the right height that I gave earlier, and 1,700 pounds, I seem to have a lot of 17s going here. But it doesn't matter if you're two to three feet tall. You have someone so much bigger than your opponent that has stepped into the ring. You see, when the Holy Spirit enters into your life, it's sort of like the 300-foot giant that steps in and literally squashes anything that opposes you. Your job is to wield the authority of that uh, Christ in your life, the Holy Spirit's entrance into your life. It's sort of, I always like to imagine taking his meaty fist and, and swinging his fist into the enemy to knock that flesh and the power of sin out of the ring. So one of the qualities, one of the functions of Egratea is to kick out. There's another function, and that's to keep out.
This is sort of what goes with temperance, and that's why the two words are sort of interchangeable if you understand how it works. First, God has given us the authority to kick out that which doesn't belong in our life. But then imagine that he uh, sensitizes the ropes around the edge of the ring so that if the enemy ever reaches up to grab those ropes and tries to step back into the ring, an alarm goes off. And you have the authority to not just kick him out initially, but to keep him out and to control the ring. And that is the basis of how self-control works. So let's ask the question, but what's getting kicked out? Well, the first thing to get kicked out of your life that you have the authority now to deal with is self's agenda. So that's the concept of denying self and picking up your cross and following. You have been given a grace to actually begin to obey and walk in the direction that this ring was supposed to move in. In other words, there's there's entities, there's ideas, there's philosophies that have tried to creep in over and throughout your lifetime and that you need to actually extricate that out. You need to get out the self agenda of your life. Selfishness is the kernel of what causes sin to even have power in us. It's the basis. It's the root structure of our sin. And so as a result, we have the ability to kick that out. No, this is no longer about me. This is about Jesus Christ. There's a second thing that is getting kicked out. Second, self is empowered to give the boot. So what happens is self gets the boot and then if I could say it this way, uh, self, uh, and I, I have it incorrectly in my notes because it should be a lowercase s. Capital S self is the one that's dealt with. However, self is still here. Like I am still Eric and it's a lowercase s self. It's like Paul, you know, when he says, I no longer live. And then he seems to, you know, but Christ lives in me. And then it's like the life that I now live in the body. It's like, wait a minute. I thought you said that I was gone. And yet it's a lowercase i. It goes from being an uppercase i to a lowercase i, just like self. The, the problem with self is not its existence. It's the fact that it's capital. The capital S on self seems to be the big problem. And so what's happening in Egretea is capital S is being kicked out and lowercase s is now given authority to exert within this body. It's sort of like God handing us 10 talents of silver or some minas of, I'm sorry, 10 talents of gold or minas of silver. He's given us authority. He's given us grace so that we can exert. But who's exerting? Well, self is exerting. That's why self-control is an is a decent name for it as long as you understand it's not capital S that's doing the controlling. It's lowercase s controlled by the capital S spirit that is actually controlling this body now. Listen to 1 Corinthians 9, 24 through 27. Know you not that they which run in a race run all, but one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. And every man that strives for the mastery is egrotumai. So there's our word egrotea in a different format, but it's basically, it's saying that they are self-controlled and every man that strives for mastery is self-controlled in all things. Isn't that an interesting statement? In other words, if you're going to seek mastery, we could call it sanctification, the desire to correctly represent Jesus to the nation around us, to the nations around us. Well, then we are to be self-controlled in all things. That this quality of protection, of kicking out that which is opposite the nature of God, opposite the agenda of God, and establishing and keeping this ring to God's purposes is part of what we need to do in every dimension of our life. Now, they do not, obtain, they do not do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. 
I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beats the air, but I keep my body under and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be cast away. So one of the things that stands out to me in what Paul is saying is this idea of keeping his body under. It is the idea of bringing into subjection his very body. It's like the ring, if I could describe it that way, that we have been given authority to keep this ring clean, clear. And that self agenda cannot enter in. That sin agenda cannot come in. That flesh agenda cannot come in. Satan's agenda for our life has no room to maneuver here. We keep our body under that authority of Jesus Christ. That is self-control. The key points of control in the body, and this is how we're going to finish this particular message, just with sort of the meditation of how we can apply this. When it says that we need to be egrotumai in all things, we need to be self-controlled in all things. Tongue control, eye control, thought control, appetite control. Well, it covers a lot of ground there. You see, many of us have allowed our tongue to go uh, without control. It has spoken things that it shouldn't speak. It has too much freedom and latitude to just express whatever whim you may have. That actually isn't how a Christian functions. A Christian functions on a principle of discretion or of self-control of the tongue. I control. Many of us have this notion that it's like it really doesn't matter what we look at. It's just if we functionally participated in something. That's patently false in its very nature. The very essence of what causes us to act is what we're seeing. And so therefore, what we look at becomes very, very important. And it's it sort of shows the, the health of our overall body, what, what our eyes are doing. And so as a result, it's important for us to bring our eyes under that mastery. Thought control. Not every thought should be allowed in. You're supposed to take the thoughts that do not fit, that are not under the governance of grace, that do not fit the kingdom pattern, and bring them hostage. And then appetite control. Well, there's a lot of different appetites. You could have sensual, sexual appetites. You could have digestive appetites. Uh, you could have intellectual appetites. However, your appetites aren't what is supposed to rule you. You are supposed to be ruled by the Holy Spirit and his word. And so therefore, if I, I don't know what I just said there. Therefore, you need to bring all these things under the mastery of God in and through this principle, this function, this gift of the Spirit called egreteia. And so you too can be, like Paul, egrotumai in all things. So that whatever the situation is, you recognize you can be king of the hill, not because you are king, but in that situation you have power and authority over it. Why? Because you have come under the power and the authority of Jesus Christ. Daily Thunder is a listener-supported production of Ellerslie Discipleship Training. At Ellerslie, we are laboring to rouse the Church of Jesus Christ out of its lethargy and build brave-hearted Christians for such a time as this. Daily Thunder episodes are released every day, Monday through Friday, from our campus in Windsor, Colorado. And our weekly sermon is delivered live at 9 a.m. on Sunday mornings with a delayed live stream available at noon Mountain Time. Go to ellerslie.com forward slash daily to get all the details. Thanks for listening.